And there came a day, a day unlike any other, when Earth's mightiest podcasters found themselves united to have the conversations you always wanted to have about the films you love. With great power comes great responsibility. I just finally know what I have to do. Mr. McGee, don't make me angry. You wouldn't like me when I'm angry. Avengers! Welcome to the Cult Classic Comics Show. Welcome, everyone, to the Cult Classic Comics Show, Episode 2, Batman Returns. Uh, I'm your host, uh, Carmelo Chimera. I am David Gonzalez. I am Jason Chawala. And I'm Emily Hunter. That was fantastic. After 300 episodes of the cult classic horror show, we did not have that shit down. And episode two of the cult classic comic show, everyone just, that was beautiful. I did the chef's kiss thing. If you can't see us, um, we're doing this so, audio so only, but if like the fans the like, then after today, right? Today's the last episode then. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, we've already peaked. So this is it. Uh, this is, this episode is the reason I wanted to do this fucking show is I want to talk about Batman returns. <laughs> I like go up to, I went up to my neighbors when I moved into my house and I was like, can we talk about Batman Returns? And, you know, it's door to door. Can we talk about what he's returning from? Yeah. Good question. It sort of sounded like they thought he was gone. Is he, did anyone else feel like he was gone? Was Batman ever really gone? To me, he wasn't. <laughs> it was like four days. Yeah, right? It's only four. Yeah, because by the time I watched this movie, like, I watched Batman and then I went back to the video store and I rented Batman Returns right after it. So. Exactly. <laughs> uh, let's uh, let's do opening opening thoughts. Omi, why don't you start start us off? So you know I'm I gotta admit I'm not a huge Tim Burton I love everything fan. I think he goes a little too crazy sometimes, but this was the Batman I remembered, right? Like the other ones I had to go back to. This Batman was the one I remembered. I also remember that they made some imaginary character that Christopher Walken played, and he was the most charming and charismatic individual in the world where I almost forgot that the Penguin was the bad guy in this bad boy. So I have a special place because, one, the suit looked awesome. I love the Catwoman stuff. Um, more importantly is it was the first time I caught my first, like, mess up in a movie. There was a time where Batman takes off his mask, and he goes from having no makeup to having makeup immediately when he rips it off. And I swear, I was in the movie theater, like, screaming, like, they messed up! Um, Fun, so- funny note about that, though, real quick. A lot of people thought that was a mess-up, but that was actually done by design. Batman should never show his eyeballs. That's just... Tasty. No, because they, they did a screen test where he rips off the mask with the with the um, makeup on, and he looked like a raccoon, and they were just like, uh-uh, we need to, like, switch it. <laughs> I wish they'd taken notes because I don't know if you guys have seen like what Robert Pattinson looks like as Bruce Wayne. And like, I think he's going to be great as an actor. I think he looks great as Batman, but they, he's walking around a lot with a lot of eyeliner on and it is. Well, thank God reports about that movie is that he's not going to be Bruce Wayne that much. So, you know, let's see if we don't see his face too much. 
They're yeah, man, Skyliner's, the Skyliner's back. They're channeling the inner emo. That's yeah, right, exactly. They, or the not so inner emo, the very outer emo. <laughs> My Chemical Romance is touring this year, so like, we gotta we gotta have that Skyliner ready to go. He's but, not okay. <laughs> The kids aren't all right. Oh, wait, that's the offspring. Shit. Damn it. My wife's going to kill me. Uh. <laughs> Batman's the uh, the savior of the broken, the beaten, and the damned, right? That's the one. Fucking teenagers. Those teenagers. Damn it, mom. I want to be home by, I want to be home at least by 10. By 10, please. Yeah, when I was a kid and my mom wanted me home by 10, I was I felt so oppressed. Now it's like 10 o'clock and I'm like, oh, time for bed. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I'm um, like, it's 8.30? I got to go. Like, yeah. Oh, guys, sorry. Yeah. Uh, Emily, why don't you hit us next? What are your, what, tell me what you think about, what do you feel about Batman Returns? Okay, so just like Omi, this was like the Batman I grew up with, um, the one that I remember, and mainly it's because of Catwoman, obviously. Um, I think this was a movie that, you know, I was nine years old when it came out. It was a female that was like a badass. I mean, I grew up watching Aliens, and I know Ripley and all of that stuff. But it was one where I also started noticing that maybe men like the sexualized, like, hot woman maybe that's what i need to do um but it was also she was a badass and as i was watching it as an adult i saw different things that i didn't pick up on as a kid um, but this was definitely one that i grew up with i like tim burton and his like i said in the first uh podcast um i like his atmosphere and how he creates um the gothic and macabre type feel um but I think this one was a little bit more colorful for me and it was a little bit more um, animated, I guess. So, but this was the one that I grew up with and actually having a female character that I could look up to was uh, a big pull for me. Yeah. I mean, Selena Kyle's quite the role model for a nine-year-old girl. I think the, uh... <laughs> I'm sure my parents were cringing in the background, you know, Catwoman, hear me roar. What? Listening to me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we're probably going to spend, oh, I would say about, you know, 45 minutes of this hour long podcast talking about Michelle Pfeiffer. But uh, just to, I just got to say right now, like, forget the sexuality of her. She is profoundly mentally ill in this movie. Yeah. As, as role models for little girls go, I'm not so worried my daughter would watch this and like, you know, want to wear leather. I'm worried my daughter would watch, by the way, I have no children. Uh, my, thank the lords. Uh, I'm worried my daughter would watch this movie and be like, I want to spray paint everything in the house black. And uh, yeah, that's my, or and listen to I my was, chemical romance. I was allowed to have a whip. I sat there and I practiced with oh, my whip. my God. I tried. I tried. I didn't get very good. I think our podcast would have more ratings if we did do this on video and Emily would have pulled out the whip. I think that would. <laughs> and look at that. We made it. Six minutes into episode two before any of us made any sexual jokes about Emily. So that's, I think six six minutes is good. I mean, we got to give Tim Burton credit. He like, he sexualized mental health, I guess. (laughs) But do you want to see my pussy? Oh man. For all of you unlucky viewers at home who can't see this, uh, Emily has just introduced us uh, to her cat. Yes. To be clear. (laughs) Emily just, 
flashed. Emily just pulled her pajamas down and flashed <laughs> That's us. That's right. She just flashed us all. Um, now I really think we should put this on YouTube. I hope the video quality is good enough for YouTube. Uh, if not, I'm going to work on that. <laughs> So we made seven minutes, seven minutes, seven minutes. Yeah. And boy, was she real sport about it so far? She has not <laughs> filed any uh, sexual harassment lawsuits against us. So I'm going to count that as a win. Uh, Jason, what do you think of Batman returns? Batman returns. So like uh, many of you guys, this was the most memorable one for me. Um, not because of story and structure, but mostly because it came out in 1992 and I was old enough to like, remember it. I was seven years old when this one came out. Um, when Batman came out, I was only like three or four. So I, I definitely didn't remember it. But I do vividly remember seeing this movie in the theaters. Um, for those of you in the Chicagoland area, um, there's a little um, suburb called Bridgeview. And there was a theater over there called Harlem Corners. Yeah. It was, it was a dollar to see any movie whenever it came out. So uh, often people just saw movies multiple times because it was only a buck. But um, what stands out for this in this movie for me was the absolute, like, very, very strong performances for a cartoon movie. Um, I mean, Michelle Pfeiffer didn't didn't hold. She took this role very seriously. Um, Michael Keaton came back again. Danny DeVito was like an absolute masterful penguin. Um, Christopher Walken was like, I don't know if they designed him this way, but he was like the anti Bruce Wayne, you know, he was like the polar opposite of Bruce Wayne throughout this film. So he, he was off the heels of, um, uh, James Bond movie that, that had just come out. I want to say a view to a kill. So Christopher Walken was on a hot streak. So this was just like, I mean, I, I don't know how much they spent on these actors, but everybody everybody showed up to play that day and and they and you know and, and they all hit home runs yeah they're they're fantastic that's a really good point because uh especially as we go into some of the sequels sometimes i wonder if i'm just softer on this one because of like nostalgia and maybe the other movies aren't that much worse um i think they are but anyways i maybe i just want i just wonder you know in my heart of hearts maybe they're not that much worse um but I definitely think the actors here are what, what tips it because I think you watch like Batman forever. And I think Tommy Lee Jones is like a joke as two face and it, you know, then it feels like what it is like a kid's movie. Whereas this movie, you watch this and like you said, any one of those actors you just named and it's like, Oh, they like, they came to, they came to play and they did. And, and maybe that's what takes a movie that would otherwise be just as, silly as Batman forever and makes it, I think fucking awesome. Um, I would say, I would say probably it stems back to Jack Nicholson's performance in, in Batman. Yeah. You know, when you, yeah. Yeah. He set the bar and it was like, okay, we're going to make this sequel and this is the blueprint. Look what Jack Nicholson did. If you're not showing up to do this, then we don't need you. Yeah, I think you're right. Because like you said about like Danny DeVito, I mean like fucking, he went like Daniel Day-Lewis on this shit. Danny DeVito Exactly, like, yeah. Like he just is the fucking penguin. Um, uh, I guess for my opening thoughts, uh, this is by far my favorite Batman movie. Some of you already know this about me. Uh, every Christmas, my tradition is to wrap all of my gifts while I watch this movie, right? Because I've seen it enough times where like I can do other things while I'm watching it. And that is my Christmas tradition 
uh, is is Batman Returns and Presence. So, um, yeah, I just I love this movie. I love it so much. Um, I think it's everything that's great about the first one plus more, more style. And that's what makes Batman like super memorable to me in the comic books is like, there's all these great versions of him, like, you know, Frank Miller's Batman or Neil Adams, Batman. And they're all very stylized and they're all very different. And you've got like Grant Morrison's, you know, um, with, I think it's Sam Keith, right. Who does like Arkham Asylum. And then it's like this super crazy, like, or maybe it's Temple Smith. Anyways, my point is Batman is like reimagined by a lot of artists in really crazy styles. And this is that brought to life. I just, I just love this movie and I will die on this hill. So, um, I, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to pass the reins to the synopsis to somebody else though, who watched the movie most recently and can give us a synopsis. I feel like I talk too much on this show, so I'm trying to pass it off. Omi, I think that's you. You guys can't see, but you know, Jason and Emily are both fighting over who wants to do it more. So Oh, uh, that's right. Emily just moved. That's right. I don't remember. I, I mean, I, I could just freestyle this real quick, but like there's a guy, his name is Bruce Wayne. You may have heard of him. What about him? Was he special? Like, so he's already established as Batman, right? Like when this movie starts off and pops off. And then we had this really crazy Tim Burton introduction of the, the uh, penguin where, uh, you know, Pee Wee Herman is right there in the front. You know, like dripping, like getting rid of his firstborn child because he's like, like just ugly. Goes down this thing, gets uh, raised by penguins. I don't know how this shit happens. How did Tim Burton get any of this greenlit? I don't know. So my man is like just growing up, you know, under under hood, and Batman's being Batman. I think some pops off, something else pops off, and a couple of other things pop off. To right? all of our white viewers out there, I don't know what pops off means, and we're gonna dive <laughs> listen, into that. Listen, things get out. They'll all of a sudden, before you know it, we're in the third act. You know what I mean? <laughs> so now, at, at, at know, some point, at some point, Christopher Walken's character like signs a deal with the city to like provide energy. Mm-hmm. But yep. then the the big twist is like he's stealing the energy, so then he can control Gotham City, and right. it's like policing and and that kind of stuff. And of yeah. course, the person that finds him is Selena Kyle, right? Like she shows up. She threatens him, you know, like, so she gets pushed out a window, which is like now that we're introduced to this supernatural element of Selena Cow, because when she falls, she breaks a couple of things like bones. And then cats, the, the, the you know, the miracle of cats, they start licking her. You know, I, apparently there's something in cat saliva and she gets up. And before you know it, she has all these superpowers. So now specifically the power of hotness, the cats give her the power of super sexiness. Meow. In her past, did she have a like any sewing hobbies? She or owned she, a sewing machine. She must have been able to. Nice. Like she made it happen. They we should have done a scene where she like went to a thrift store and bought a sewing machine. She's like before or after she falls out a window. No, like uh, immediately after she falls, she just gets up and walks to the nearest thrift store and buys a sewing machine. That's too Christopher <laughs> Nolan. That's too much real. That's, we too. can't go that. That's not a Tim Burton movie. Um, so Christopher Walken decides to work, work with the penguin, right? So gives him this story about being brothers and how he's supposed to be the upper echelon of Gotham runs for mayor, but he's having a problem, uh, uh, reconditioning himself to society over there because he's been raised by penguins in the, in the sewer and shit. So he's, he's, uh, you know, the first thing that should have told you that Danny DeVito was doing a great job was the, uh, saliva, the black saliva. I remember that like all over the place. 
Um, Batman spoils all this stuff. We all find out, you know, the, the intertwinings of everyone's a bad guy. Of course, Batman does it, but of, this is the first time Batman has a love interest. Selena Kyle showing up, messing everything up, going everywhere, finding him wherever he's at. Like, I don't know what's going on. Like, I think, does Batman have, like, a billboard in Gotham that says, hey, I'm Bruce Wayne, I'll be here? Because that's where, like, that movie really did it for him. He shows up everywhere. And uh, Act 4, they, it all goes down. They all go. And of course, Isn't Batman, Act 4 in this movie? I was going to say, does it Act 4? I've seen this does movie. Isn't it Act 4? Act 5, she looks up at the... Stu- uh, act the back 5? What is this, Hamlet? Yeah. Act 6, that's Batman Forever. Where are we going with this? Where are we right, going? Right. All right, I'll wrap up this this rundown here. Batman exposes uh, uh, the Penguin as a piece of shit. Basically, as a piece of shit. He doesn't expose yeah. him for anything other than he's he's an asshole. And then he uh, that's enough to make the Penguin lose his mind, kidnap all a bunch of kids. Batman yeah. saves them. Batman saves the city from an army of penguins, which right. is as awesome as it sounds. They got missiles attached to their backs. That's yeah. right. Yeah. That's right. They are they are armed with missiles. We're going to talk about these penguins because these are my favorite. And uh, Catwoman maybe dies, and Batman uh, is an eligible bachelor once more. Once more, yeah. The end scene. And even though Carm calls this a Christmas movie, I think it came out somewhere in like June or something like that. It's definitely filmed in the summer. That's for sure. It it came out in June '92. All right, all right. Let's do it because you know what? Everyone loves these these stupid debates. Let's do this. Is it a Christmas movie? I'll go last. Emily, you first. Christmas movie or not? So I never like made the connection as a kid that it was a Christmas movie, but watching it now, it is Christmassy. It's got the trees. It's around that time. So yes, I assume now it's going to be in my repertoire of watching this every Christmas. Um, but I wouldn't say it's like the, it brings the nostalgia of Christmas. That's just me. Gotcha. So based on this definition, it's like the Nightmare Before Christmas type deal. Again, another Tim Burton movie. Yeah, yeah, I don't think that's a coincidence. Yeah. <laughs> so by definition, every movie in Alaska is a Christmas movie. Well, right? no, not unless it's got a Christmas well, tree in it. Like Christmas trees, Christmas lights, people buying presents. You know, big presents with things coming bursting out and trying to kill you. Yeah. Okay. Krampus type things. Filling this. All right. Jason, what do you got? Christmas movie, not a Christmas movie? Okay, so I have two answers. It's not a Christmas movie, but because it's a Tim Burton movie, ah. every single Tim Burton movie takes place between Halloween and New Year's, so make make what you want of that. Is that true? Well, it wasn't. What about Edward Scissorhands? Yeah, doesn't that took did place the whole in thing the with the snow globes and the... God, I hate that fucking movie. Yeah, I, I, I was just that. scissoring I, at I Emily, so... We were scissoring a moment ago. Again, you're missing out if you haven't seen the video. <laughs> All right. Well, no one's going to fill that awkward silence. We'll move <laughs> no, on to Omi. Christmas movie or not? Is it, is it that shit out there. I can't. What do you think? Christmas movie? No, oh, man. I, I, you know, it has a Christmas scene in it, but, you know, I, I'm, I'm now with Jason. I, I'm, I'm with this whole idea that it's a Tim Burton production over there. It's a, it's as Christmassy as like, I don't know, like a stripper with tassels. <laughs> it's festive. Um, I uh, I agree with Emily a thousand percent. This is a Christmas movie. You already know I feel this way, but I'm gonna go into it anyway. Here's the thing: 
not only is there Christmassy shit in the movie, there is a one, there's a lot of it. Two, it's part of the plot. The whole first opening of the movie is is the lighting of the tree ceremony. And then that comes back again in act two when the, the ice princess gets pushed off the building and Batman's framed for it. She's there to like light the, the relighting of the Christmas tree. Uh, I mean, the, the movie's about that time of year. And aesthetically speaking, the city is covered in in snow, which, you know, very unique, I think, to actually to, to feel the winter here. Um, fun fact about that, Jason, uh, or actually it was Emily pointed out last time how like, Vicky Vale was like dressed in white and Batman's black. And it sort of has this like Tim Burton contrast. And then this movie is all like Tim Burton to the max. The, the snow is part of that snow automatically creates a much higher contrast scene. So there's a lot of like whites contrasting all of the shadows. So it's very Tim Burton. Um, and, uh, and I love that. And I think that this would not feel like the same movie if it weren't covered in snow and Christmas. I mean, even the characters are like, covered in like they're all shiny like Michelle Pfeiffer was literally painted down with silicone in her costume between every take to keep her shiny um Batman suit they had like 30 of them because if they get scuffed even a little the, the whole thing is ruined in the first movie he's like covered in like a thin layer of dirt the whole time and in this movie you could fucking see your face in his abs like he's so shiny and uh um to me that's all part of like the wet the wetness that comes with uh, the snow and the ice. So to me, it's Christmas. All right. I'll compromise and say it's not a Christmas movie that takes place during Christmas time. It's a December movie. Exactly. So that's a good question because they go to the mask, the masquerade ball at the end where the mask, which I love because Selena Kyle and Bruce Wayne are the only ones not wearing masks because Batman and Catwoman are their real identities. Bruce Wayne and Selina are the masks. Yeah. That, <sighs> again, my head exploding. Board idea of Bruce Wayne. Here, I live here. Like kind of situation. So. Yeah, they do just each other. Um, but I love that scene. I love that song face to face by Susie and the Banshees. Fucking great. Oh, yeah. Sexiest song ever committed to. Did anybody for- else have the soundtrack? Oh yeah, absolutely. I'm all yeah. about the yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's the, yeah. for me. It's this in the Crow soundtrack. I'm listening to that. Oh, one. Yeah. Don't get me started on the Crow soundtrack. I absolutely love the Crow soundtrack. It's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Now, now o- Omi hasn't heard of most of those bands. O- Omi, yeah, us white that. folks and Jason love Nine Inch Nails, and we love uh, the Cure. Um, so I'm not sure if you're familiar with any of these bands or not. No, no, no we, we, we want a different place. I think we, we meet at Batman and then we separate back out. <laughs> separate you know? from there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, fucking a, uh, does anyone, uh, I have a lot of facts on this movie, but I also have probably more opinions than facts. Does anybody have any cool trivia they want to share with us? Um, there is a scene where, uh, Michelle Pfeiffer is like cutting together the outfit and the color of the scissors change. Hmm. Nice. Oh, wow. Bloopers. I didn't bloopers. catch that. Yeah. They're like red. And then like a second later, they're blue. Psh. I know. And it's that. like very noticeable because the whole screen is black. The whole scene is black. Huh. Hmm. That explains why Tim Burton didn't do Batman three. Oh, 
Even Omi missed that one, Mister. I spotted my first blooper in a movie. First, first one. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm not that big of a fan. Like, I think, I think uh, history has really helped out with this stuff. But I, 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 I can't really relate to this movie. I think it was a little crazy. They changed the Batman suit on me. You know, once I, once I know something, I like something, right? Um, for me, Eartha Kitt is the ultimate Catwoman. You know, like she just killed the game of back then. Um, so this one was like, eh, it's all right. And it was like way too Tim Burton. He's he was introducing new characters. Um, even though I, I give props to Max Shrek, like that that was a that was a fresh take with Christopher Walken, but he was really trying hard to like create uh, a Tim Burton movie with so happens yeah. as that main character. He was trying to make it his own. And I mean, yeah, you gotta respect that, I guess, you know. Like I'm sure in the back of his mind, he knew like Batman was going to get made a dozen times over. So like this is how how do I put my stamp on it and like separate it from every single incarnation that comes afterwards, you know? I'm kind of feeling lines drawn here where like Emily and I are like, nah, pro pro Tim Burton, pro Burton all the way. And y'all are like, it's a little weird. I like most of Tim Burton stuff. I don't like all of it. Like I was never really big into the nightmare before Christmas and the corpse ride and all that. I don't know why, but I like Edward Scissorhands. I like Beetlejuice. Um, I like Sweeney Todd and I like this movie. Um, And I don't know why that is. And maybe it's because it was kind of that weird age for me that either it's a kiddie movie or else it's a more adult movie. And I was in the middle of, you know, being a teenager, um, trying to figure out what I liked. Um, but I definitely liked the Batman Returns. Um, the the one fact I found out about this movie um, was Michelle Pfeiffer, that scene where she's with, at the Penguin's Lair and she lets that bird out of her mouth. That was real. Cool. That was a real live bird. It wasn't CGI. She held it in her mouth for like five seconds and then let it go. Oh, <laughs> but she said she wasn't even like thinking about oh god i could get a disease or anything like that or, or the bird can shit in your mouth give me give me the disease i don't want the bird to shit in my mouth but she wasn't even thinking about the birds like well-being at the same time either that her yeah, she, she, that she opens her mouth and the fucking dead bird falls out <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and then bird shit falls out after that. Yeah, right. The bird, the dead bird, and then more shit. She committed. Well, and the fact I mean, that, that's just method acting for you, man. They're all trying to outdo Jack Nicholson. Yeah. Well, and the fact that's... that she was vacuum sealed into that costume and she could only work for a couple of minutes at a time, like, I can't even imagine what that felt like trying to do all those kicks and everything. Yeah, it's funny you say that because I was watching about how they made her costume and and the person who designed it, designed the corset anyway, like makes those for ballet dancers. So you are theoretically supposed to be able to like jump and run and dance in that kind of an outfit. And you absolutely, there's no fucking way. Like You're you said, also she's, supposed to be like the size of a pencil, right? which I mean, she was anyway, but. Yeah, she is. She's a very little, very little thing. Um. You 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 did it, Omi. You mentioned Eartha Kit, so I want to hear Emily, Jason, favorite Catwoman, go. Um, mine. I, I remember Eartha Kit 
watching the show and liking her and not having like anything against her but the one that really sticks out for me is michelle pfeiffer just that whole the outfit i like that aesthetic like i just like it i don't know yeah it's just a cool dominatrix effect you know just a cool like she's a cool she's a cool cat woman you know like like yeah. I, you know, like I would, I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind meeting this Catwoman at a bar, and cat calling her. <laughs> ah, see what you do. Uh, hey, hey, hey! That's good. That's good. I can't. Let's see how many, how many cat puns we can work into one episode. I love puns. I know I'm gonna receive my notification next week. Carmelo's gonna be like, "Sorry, Jason, but uh, we can no longer uh, have you on our show." <laughs> 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 um. Yeah. The. Uh. I, I mean, for me, it's Michelle Pfeiffer because. Um, actually followed closely by Anne Hathaway, but we'll get there when we get to that movie. But, um, uh, Michelle Pfeiffer's Catwoman, like all these characters to me, Tim Burton hit on something that like really worked here. And he realized this stuff makes sense. If you just embrace the crazy, like it's not unrealistic. Like Batman isn't like superhuman. He's not like throwing cars around or anything, but the reality is like, oh, you believe Michael Keaton will wear this suit because Michael Keaton's a little un- unhinged. And we talked about that last time. And this Catwoman's like crazy. So you look at her in that that suit and you don't think that's ridiculous or cartoony. You think like she's crazy and the crazy makes it more plausible in that way. And so that he's got this whole like this whole world is crazy. Even Max Shrek, right? Like he's like not in a you know leather suit. But he's got these like thick pinstripes and a bow tie. He's got like the fro going on. Like it's super stylized, but you don't look at him and like if he was in any other movie, you'd be like, that's ridiculous. And you see him in this movie and it just it fits because Burton built this world. And I just I bought it like even like the production design of of the way so much of the city is like painted and miniatures that are like optically layered. It's like kind of a lost art. I don't ever look at Gotham and say like oh, they filmed that at a real city. But I also never looked at it and go like, this looks fake as shit. You, I just, you just buy it because it's all part of the, the thing that he does. I found it interesting that like, I felt like the main characters like Batman, Catwoman and Penguin all have some sort of trauma. You know, Bruce Wayne watched his parents get killed. Then you have Penguin whose parents got rid of him. And I don't know the backstory with Selena Kyle, but I feel like she hates herself. Like she's mm-hmm. that first person that hates herself or is self-loathing until she turns into Catwoman. Like she's already on the cusp of being like, and I don't want to like misquote any type of like mental illness, but she's already like talking to herself. Like, and we all do it, you know, when she's in the, the conference room talking to herself, like, oh, you sound like such an idiot. I can't believe you said it this way. Um, and then coming home and then saying, you know, um, honey, I'm home. Oh, I forgot. I'm not married. It's almost like she feels like she's a failure. So I don't know if it's like a depression or if it's some sort of I, I don't know what the correct terms are, but I already feel like she had some sort of trauma or something's going on there for her yeah she seems to be that template that we still use today because i remember the last one was in um you know spider-man with um with uh electro where it's that um lack of confidence self-confidence individual 
that, you know, has definitely been trying to navigate the world with it. And they just so happen to have this one situation in a, in a, in a superhero comic book that they're the complete 180 of themselves. Mm-hmm. And now they're like, I'm all out and I'm here. Um, I mean, but- that's usually all it takes is like um, for somebody with um, debilitating issues or a disability, they um, they find that that one skill set that they're good at and then their confidence builds behind it, you know? Yeah, I, I think that's that's a good point. And, and what you see with Catwoman in this whole movie is certainly before she transforms is is she's very like oppressed and like the clothes she's wearing feel very like constricting and are like buttoned up to her neck. And even like her apartment, this is, this is something they talk about in the set design when they were making it is she even has, I never even noticed this. There's like a fucking beam that runs through the middle of her apartment that like lowers the ceiling that you'd have to like duck under if you were tall. And you can literally see this like metal beam above her head while she's like, on her answering machine. So like the whole set is compressing her and pushing her down. And then when she's finally free, like even as Selena Kyle, like everybody in this movie wants her and, and lusts after her because she's like, she's become so powerful and, and that power is like just tied right into the, I mean, you just can't separate the sexuality from a character who's dressed like that and carries a whip and everything. And like, but she knows it and she's, she uses it against Batman. She beats his ass because she's like, Oh, I'm a woman. And then she like kicks him in the balls and throws him off a building. Like she, she like comes into that power and uses it. And yet you don't feel she's like evil in the way the rest of them are, which is sort of something I've thought about this movie a lot. Cause it has a lot of characters and it's got Calum and it's got bat. It's got penguin. But I think this movie works because they're not the primary antagonist in this movie. The primary antagonist in this movie is Max Shrek. It is Christopher. This is, he's the Joker of this movie and he's manipulating the penguin and the penguin like brings this army. that's like going to blow up the city. Sure. And Catwoman's like kind of a force of chaos, but it's Max Shrek. Who's pulling everybody's strings. He's the symbol of what's oppressing Catwoman and she kills him at the end for it. And he's the one who like manipulates the penguin and, and lets him loose on the city and gives him the keys to the city basically. Uh, so they can get his power plant made. Um, and like you said, he's the perfect opposite Bruce Wayne. He's, he's anti Bruce Wayne. So what I love about this is this is a movie about like monsters. All these people are monsters in their own way. And it comes up a couple of times that they say this penguin says to Batman, my favorite line in the movie is, uh, you're just jealous because I'm a genuine freak and you have to wear a mask. And Batman says, you might be right. Like they all feel this way. And just like the rest of them, Shrek is also where he's the biggest monster of all of them. He's the one who like owns fire traps and like fed his ex business partner to a shredder and like has toxic goo all over the place. Like Shrek is the bad guy and he's a monster, but he's dressed like, you know, a billionaire. He's, he's not even like Bruce Wayne can't even like be bothered to pretend to be a normal like billionaire. Shrek wears these gaudy clothes and everything. That's his mask. So I think he's the real bad guy here. Except for his hair. He looks like a mad scientist. He does look a little <laughs> like a mad scientist. He does. It's crazy. He, he yeah. looks very much like uh, like David Fincher's Erasure Head. Oh, God. Fuck that movie. <laughs> David Lynch. David Lynch's Eraser, eraser Head. I hate that movie. David so Lynch, much. yeah. I get it. It's like a brilliant visual. T- I Even I'm not that up my own ass with these film analyses. Even I can't do that Eraser Head. Um and so I swear this is the last thing I'll say about Catwoman because obviously I'm about Catwoman. We're only I halfway think- through. You could talk about Catwoman as much as you want. 
I know. We well, can I mean, we can we can do it. We could do an extra episode just on Catwoman, and you can just like talk about her. But to be clear, not to cover the movie Catwoman. Go on. I mean, I already disclosed I'm wearing cat socks. I have my cat glass, and then I'm drinking wine that's got a cat on it. So, yeah. Um, no, I feel like almost towards the end, I it's like she like spiraled into like craziness or became that hysterical woman trope and i feel bad for that but obviously at the very end she's there and it's like she's got her shit together her costume sewn back up even though you only see it from her neck up um so i just thought that was kind of interesting how that happened she went from being you know demure and a little bit of a little bit of crazy or talking to herself to like full-on chaotic nuts and then now it's finally calmed down um yeah so i thought that was interesting for her character i i love that about her character i think like i think this movie is is like uh the reason i love it is i think her character drives it and watching her like deal with these conflicting parts of herself. And that's why like the costumes constantly falling apart till the end when it's like, she doesn't even have the mask on anymore. And is, is like, she's got this demure, you know, sweet Selena Kyle. And then she's got this like super powerful cat inside of her. And then like, she's trying to integrate these two things and it doesn't work. And she even says to Bruce Wayne, like, I, I couldn't even live with myself. So don't pretend it's like a happy ending. Mm-hmm. And I love that. And I actually think this is, this is maybe my favorite romantic movie of all time. Like the romance between Batman and Catwoman in this movie is beautiful because it's these two people who are like broken toys and they find each other and like, Oh, maybe like I don't have to be, maybe we can be alone together. And it's kind of tragic that they don't end up together, but it's like, they're both so fucked up and they find someone who's just as fucked up. And I really, I really love that. I think it's beautiful. Um, on a quick technical note, for those of you who like filmmaking, the reason that scene with Catwoman at the end, like is probably legend by now is like the most expensive shot in the movie. And they went and they did it after they wrapped everything to give that ending. And it was a huge pain in the balls. It took literally days to film and they didn't have Michelle Pfeiffer anymore. So they built an animatronic Catwoman to like lift her head up and look at the the thing. And that's why you only see her from like the three quarter shot. Um, and then they didn't use it. They didn't use that shot. They ended up getting a stand in and they composited it. But, uh, yeah, that whole, that was like a big deal. That last fucking shot. So, um, but I like it because Emily's point, it like puts a bow on, see Christmas puts a bow on, uh, Michelle Pfeiffer's like journey in this movie. She also, I thought it was funny because it's kind of like that feminism type thing, like down with the patriarchy, screw all men for beating me down uh, as a secretary or an executive assistant, as she says. Um, Like she had that whole proposal from the penguin and she was like, this is bullshit. I don't need a marriage. What are you talking about? Like she just scoffed it off, but she was more pissed at the fact that is it the ice princess or snow princess, whatever? He just, he killed her and yeah. that wasn't the plan all along. So she was kind of pissed about that. The fact that she was, the ice princess was supposed, supposed to be protected and it didn't happen that way. Um, but the fact that she scoffed off the marriage, you know, like, no, I don't think so, buddy. Yeah. And can we talk for a second about how, even though in 1992, no one used the word like toxic masculinity or incel, like, Penguin's giving off mad nice guy energy there with like, <laughs> oh, you're so beautiful. I want to marry you. 
And then she rejects him. And he, the next thing he says is, you lousy minx, I ought to have you spayed. And I don't think I like you anymore. And it's like, that's like, I'm in like a whole Facebook group. That's all it is, is women who share like the posts they get from fucking like Tinder where it's like, you're beautiful. And then they're like, oh, I'm not interested. And the next message is like, fuck you, you ugly bitch. And it's <laughs> like, guys, get your shit together. If you're, if you're a listener out there and you've told a woman she's an ugly bitch because she rejects you. Stop, rethink your life, take a year off online dating. I want you to ask yourself if you really thought that was going anywhere. Like, why did it make you so mad? That's what I want. But Penguin totally gives, he does, he does that exact fucking thing. The Penguin was dirty. He was skeevy. Like, I didn't like him. Like, even as a kid, he repulsed me. And that's why I didn't focus on him as much. But as an adult woman watching it, I was like, fuck you, dude. <laughs> like, He's I would so break gross. that in a second. He's so gross. And Danny DeVito loved it. He fucking ate this shit up. They made that suit for him literally weighed like a hundred pounds. And they were like, yeah, we were like, oh man, no actor will ever wear this. And DeVito told Yeah, he was like, this is so uncomfortable. I love it. I'm miserable. I can use this. And he just rode with it. Uh, That guy is, is, he's a treasure. Yeah, he is. And it's like, like, even, like, the prosthetics they put on him, too, you know? Like, his makeup, his long, pointy nose, and, you know, like, uh, as uh, Danny mentioned earlier, like, his, um, he's just drooling black, you know, like, this whole movie. Like, they, they couldn't make him any more repulsive, and then they give him, like, repulsive dialogue. And you're just like, this is, like, the icing on the cake of, like, like the most, like, no one on Earth would want to give this guy a chance, you know? Like... <laughs> They do. His his dialogue's so bad. And when I was a kid, so much of it went over my head. And like, even just this last viewing, I guess I noticed something new every time I watch this. He gives his speech to the clowns when he's going to blow up the city. And he goes, the sexes are equal with their erogenous zones blown sky high. I was like, what the fuck did he just say? It's just senseless. It's just, it's like, it's just senseless dick energy. He had a lot of it, like when he was groping that female intern or whatever, I was like, wow, this is so like how it is now. Like, what the hell? Yeah. And and I, I actually sort of love that, like when he's the politician, everyone's oblivious to how gross he is. And I think this is like this is Tim Burton's statement on politics. He's never mentioned it as to my knowledge. It doesn't come up in the like the interviews, but like. Everyone is oblivious to the fact that this gross penguin man is running for mayor and that girl's totally let it like she's smiling right in his face while he's like putting his flipper on her tits and like, (laughs) no, like did everyone forget? I mean, he literally bites a guy's nose off in his campaign headquarters and everyone's just like, oh, that's it. It's like, I think that's what Tim Burton thinks of every politician. I think they're they're all the penguin to him. That's probably, that's probably the case. That's probably like a. Like just like a low key like representation of his uh, his thoughts on politics. Like they're all just like the penguin. They're all just slime balls. Yeah, yeah. I um I have a theory about this film because it comes up a lot. How did this get like who greenlit this shit? Who greenlit some of this stuff? And um, I there's a scene where the penguin declares to everyone his intention to murder the firstborn babies of everybody in Gotham, and. The, the big clown goes, Oswald, killing sleeping kids, like, isn't that a little, you know, and then the penguin shoots him and he goes, no, it's a lot. I think, like, 
Tim Burton showed that to any executive who questioned him. I think when they were like, Tim, don't you think he went a little far? He was like, why don't we watch this scene together? And then they all got the message that Tim Burton was going to like, I don't know. I don't know what he was going to do, but I assume it was going to be awful. From what I understand, like a lot of kids that were probably my age or younger were like, it made them scared that this movie, like, they were going to be abducted from their bed. And I don't know, maybe I was just in the minority that I was like, this is just a movie. It's bullshit. I mean, Carmela, you know, I watched so much scary shit. Mm -hmm. It didn't bother me that I didn't even think, oh, I'm going to be stolen from my bed. Granted, I wasn't the firstborn and I wasn't a male, so it's okay. But... um, So you were afraid that a penguin army would blow up your hometown (laughs) because that's what happens to the women. I didn't live in Gotham, so I'm okay. Right. No, I'm, I gotta be honest. Uh, it never once occurred to me that like I was never scared because I'd be kidnapped. I would think you'd be as a kid. I would think you'd be scared that like the penguin is gross as shit. That would be the yeah. thing that would scare me. Yeah. And I, I gotta be honest. When I was like a kid, I it was totally lost on me that his plan was to kidnap the firstborn sons. Like, me too. I, yeah. As an adult, yeah, that, like, that they, thought never came across to me. Right. I mean, there's it, enough it going on in this movie. Yeah, but then you like watch it now and there's like a ton of foreshadowing and he's like making a list and he's like, he's like at the hall of records and stuff. And, and he's got his own plan before Max Shrek hijacks him to be mayor. And that's again, why I think Max Shrek is like the real villain here. Um, Because by doing that, he enables the penguin to like run rampant over Gotham. But yeah, I, I missed all that fucking the first 10 years I watched this movie. I did too. And I feel like the penguin was probably evil from the very beginning, not made into that because like you might believe a story that he wants to find out who his parents were and find out where he came from. And he's like, I am human. But then once he gets ousted by Batman, he's like, fuck you guys. I am a monster. I'm going to kill you all. Yeah. Um, And Batman even hints that like penguin found his parents and killed them before he became like public. Like Batman hints, like, I think he knows who his parents are. And then sure enough, they're both dead. So like I, I read it as like penguin did come out, killed Tucker Cobblepot and his wife, or PB Herman. Um, and then went back underground. I think he knew. What kind of name is Tucker for like an aristocrat type? Yeah, right? Tucker Cobblepot. <laughs> Sorry. I mean, but back then, maybe it was like a, uh, uh, I don't know, a high-end name, whatever you'd call it. A, a name that a would come name. from... Like a BMW? Yeah, a name that would come from elevated income. Yeah, I suppose so. I mean, I don't know a lot of Tucker. I mean, my mom's maiden name is Tucker, so now you can all steal my bank account. Um, my sister but- had a dog named Tucker. uh yeah i i think the penguin's like he's like a piece of shit from the beginning but i just sort of love how batman at first is like oh man i hope like the penguin finds his parents and then he does like a minute of research and he's like i think this guy's up to some bullshit you know and can we talk again about the scenes with alfred because that's alfred's next line is like oh must you be the only man beast in gotham and like alfred and batman scenes in this movie fucking rock i love them together he was good i liked him i don't know i didn't follow a whole lot of alfred i know everybody loves him 
<laughs> I'm kind of shrugging shoulders emoji. Yeah, for the listening audience at home, Emily's shrugging. I like him versus some of the other ones that I've seen. So. Yeah, I love how they're both like, oh, Alfred, could you like tell Selena I had to go to a business meeting? And Selena's like, could you make up like a dirty limerick? And this fucking like 130 year old British man is like, one has just sprung to mind. Well, he's always like doing like he was putting the Christmas ornaments on the tree while Bruce Wayne is sitting on his couch watching the news on that huge TV. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But I'm like, stop making him do it all. I mean, he's like 100 years old. Let's help him out dude yeah that's a good point bruce could have cut off his ass and helped with the christmas decorations. <laughs> bruce does not care about christmas no no way he does alfred just wants bruce to have a nice christmas yeah that's all it was but that's, that's what the movie's about in the end is is alfred wants bruce to have christmas spirit i mean the first scene is alfred shopping for christmas presents and what is batman's last line in the movie merry christmas alfred and goodwill toward men and women this is about Batman discovering Christmas spirit. And women. And women, yes. <laughs> One in particular. This movie's about Batman taking mistletoes. Like. <laughs> <laughs> so I was far, far and chubby too. Chubby digits. <laughs> chubby digits, that's right. Sorry. Oh, man. Uh, the Penguin's costumes actually designed to look like swaddling baby clothes. They were like, what would like his clothes that they abandoned him in? What would they look like if he were an adult? That's right. Like, what did they do? He looked like he was wearing orphan clothes. <laughs> yeah, I know. It doesn't make sense like practically, but I guess like aesthetically, I, I suppose it was the inspiration. Uh, yeah. Did I love how they like pretend that there's a reason for these costumes. That's kind of nice. Like, oh yeah, Selena Kyle like sewed up this raincoat. And it's like, wait a minute. <laughs> like, Really? <laughs> Uh, is there enough material in the raincoat to cover her whole body? Like, I don't know. I'm not a, I'm not a, I'm not a seamstress. Or, well, it's yeah. the material. It's the raincoat, but then she had that corset. So that's a different thing. Got it. Got it. And the heels. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. I get it. I mean, I'm here for it. I'm here for it. She can wear all I mean, the- it's better than prancing around in Victorian type underwear like the penguin was through the entire movie. That is true. The penguin's costume did not arouse me. At all. No. And I do know that, like, for his his black, we were talking about the black drool or whatever he had. It was, like, mouthwash with black dye. And I guess that was something that DeVito came up with um, that he wanted um, for each scene. They'd squirt it in his mouth, and he would just let it come out. So it didn't taste bad, so that's good. I wish. <laughs> Jason and I are looking at each other right now because I wish I had known that, like, six weeks ago. We were filming a movie, and to make the actress's mouth, Jesse, for those of you who know her, Jesse Nerud, who stars in Sin Eater, and she's going to star in our next movie. We wanted her mouth black. So we spray her with this like shit. And it's, it's basically ink. Like it tastes like, it tastes like ass. And she was not super thrilled with having to do this between every take. And I wish we could have just put black food coloring in a fucking mouthwash. That would have been Cause, so Because it only makes sense. Why? Because Why it only makes sense. That? I'm thinking of a Happy Gilmore reference. You eat pieces of shit for breakfast. <laughs> like Shooter Shooter McGavin always had the best one-liners. Shooter McGavin's one of the greatest characters in cinema. Ugh. Uh, I guess uh, now you know. Now you know. Yeah, and knowing is half the battle, and the other half is violence. Uh. 
I guess I'll, I'll, my closing thoughts on this movie as we sort of get toward our end here is I just, they got Tim Burton to come back because they promised him to like make a Tim Burton movie. Like we've all talked about how this is like super Tim Burton. That's how they got him back. He didn't want to do a sequel. You'll note that it's not a direct sequel. It does not pick up on any plot threads or anything. It's certainly the same world. They reference Vicky, but like there's no Harvey Dent or anything like that is sort of the notice. Yeah, it's almost a standalone movie. Yeah, it's almost a standalone like Batman movie. And they pitched it to him like, oh, just make like a Tim Burton film. And I think he did. And then of course the irony is, and we'll talk about this next week, that is why he was not invited back. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. That's my. I mean, opinion. here's the deal. I, I, it, I've been very quiet because, like, I'm a Debbie Downer on this thing. Is it's, it was during the 1992s where, like, they fed us a couple of movies that we could watch over and over and over again, right? Like, this was definitely one of those things. But um, as I grew up, I realized that this is more of an art movie. Like, I really was amazed by what Tim Burton got away with, like, with just being able to put this on film compared to a Batman movie. At the same time, it opened up the floodgates because everyone's chasing that Jack Nicholson money. Right. Like, that's why everyone, all these characters signed up. Like, that's why everyone added on. And then everyone was trying to hype, do the hype with uh, Tim Burton as, as well, too. So I'm glad that this movie existed because of that. But now as an adult, I'm like, that's not my Batman. And I'm going to stay quiet while you guys talk about this because I don't want to sound ill in any way. But this uh, movie had to happen for us to have uh, different superhero movies come to light. Only at the risk of getting canceled, I gotta ask. Like, as a as a the the whitest, I'm whiter than Wonder Bread. Let me ask. As, you as a guy, as a guy that is uncancelable, I have to ask. <laughs> <laughs> you think I'm uncancelable? That's such flattering. Um, as like uh, the the whitest kid you know, um, mm. I'm curious. Yeah. Do do people of color ever like? Why don't I ever see any emo people of color? Like, I see like pale pale white kids are emo. I've never seen like, like kids who are persons of color be emo. Why, why is that? That's a whole other podcast, but it's, but it is because of the association of uh privilege that comes along with being emo. Oh, all right. That's some, so you're saying, all right, I, I get you. And that's why, cause what, here's what I'm getting at. I think this movie like speaks to really fucked up like teens, but only mm-hmm. really not only, but really targeted at that emo aesthetic, right? Like it's really, you know, I, you know, it's not, it sounds yeah. like Emily's been there. I've been there. Like this movie, definitely there have been times where I watched this and was like, fuck yeah. And I mean, I guess, I guess I still do that, but, um, you know, there were times where I would have worn, you know, Batman black eyeliner. So, so is yeah. that, is that what's going on here? Is that why you're like, I'm not relating to this movie? Cause this isn't speaking to me in like a way that, you know. Yeah, I mean, I'm being real. I'm not. I'm actually not trying to like tease or no. Don't get me wrong. At the time, I loved it. Right, like you, you, you love it as as it is. But you get older and you start experiencing it differently. Right, like you, you start like I don't like as a as a minority of a part of the brown and black community. Like I definitely don't. I shouldn't like Bruce, right? Because his his main power is white privilege. (laughs) <laughs> right. Like that's what he does the most and then the best. But I do love Batman. I love the character of it. This movie itself is just like it was it was it was an art movie. At the, You know, now that I see it as an adult, it's an art movie. I'm amazed that Tim Burton got away with it. Like he even lost a lot of sponsorships on this movie because he didn't tell the execs what he was doing. And then when he showed up with the sexualized Catwoman and the Danny DeVito and the groping, he lost like the McDonald's thing. He lost a couple of other things going on. And then they didn't ask him to come back at at all. Like so, 
he was ahead of his time for sure on on those points. Um, I, I asked myself, would this movie get done made today? You know, would would this be a movie that we would watch today and accept? I don't I don't think we would. But again, it opened the floodgates because what 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 were we dealing with back then? We were dealing with like you know, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles was a couple of years before or after. Um, you know, so if you were in that nerd sec, you only had three movies to go watch. And this was definitely one of those movies you want to go watch. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was really excited about that. But as an emo stuff, man, like I felt it. Batman should be a little emo. You know what I mean? Like he should be a little, little out there. Um, I, I, I want him to, I want him to be like, you know, in his feels all the time, but he should be kicking the serious ass at the same time too. Nice. Nice. I dig it. Jason, Emily, anybody closing thoughts? Anything you want to leave us with? Anything you really wanted to talk about that we didn't talk about today? What did Batman return from? <laughs> <laughs> like, what, polio? Hey, there ain't no coming back note. from that, unless your name's Steve. To add this on to the comic book world, though, there was a comic book that came out from uh, Scott Schneider called The Gates of Gotham, I think it was, where he talked about the four main families of that that created Gotham and the Cobblepots were one of them. I like and I that. thought like, wow, that was a really dope add-on from that he only get from Batman Returns. That he made him one of the 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 cornerstones of Gotham along with the Elliots and along with the Waynes that made uh Gotham City Gotham City. So we wouldn't have that amazing comic book if we didn't have this movie either. That's a good point. This movie should have been called Batman Continues. Yeah, right. <laughs> no, that should have been the sequel to Batman Begins. Batman Begins, Batman Continues, Batman Ends. That's what it there should There you be. go. Very simple. I don't know how you fucked that up. That's good. Uh, Emily, actually, I want to hear what you have to say for closing thoughts, but I want you to tell the story about Sean Young because we touched on it last time and we didn't go into it. Okay, so I don't, I, I haven't looked at it in a while, but I know she had been cast for Vicki Vale for the first movie. And during, she was practicing horseback riding for a scene that was supposed to be in the Batman 89 movie. And she fell off the horse and broke her arm. So she was thrown to the side. And um, what's her name? Who was it that played Vicky Vale? Y'all know. Kim Basinger. Y'all know. Kim Basinger. We do. Uh, She got cast as Vicky Vale. And so Sean Young was... uh, extremely into wanting to be cast for Catwoman. So she would go to like the, the evening, like Jay Leno or um, any of those tonight shows. And she would be in the costume and for Catwoman, she would be on the set at Warner brothers or whatever studio it was. And she was making people extremely uncomfortable. And so she didn't get cast for it. So that was kind of, um, a sad thing about Sean Young. But, I mean, she did get cast in Ace Ventura. So, I mean, Ray isn't Winkle. She, isn't she, like, crazy in Ace Ventura? Isn't she, like, the... A little bit. Yeah. Little bit. Well, yeah. I'm glad. I, I mean, I guess I admire her gumption, like, dress for the job you yeah. want, not the job you have. But, uh, yeah, when you, like, burst into a producer's office and jump over his couch, dress like Catwoman, uh, I, it's just, I don't know who wants to work with that, but... I guess I admire her. That's pretty ball. That's pretty ballsy for a cat. So, and then this movie also um, helped fuel some of my comic book um, love. So I have my Catwoman series that I had from uh, Joe Duffy, Jim Ballant, and 
Dave Giordano that I followed. I mean, I had, if I had had more time, I probably would have reread some of those. I mean, I, those were from like 93 on. So it was after the movie came out. Um, but just with my move, I didn't have time. And all of my comic books are all out of order on the shelf right now. So I haven't had time to go through them. But, uh, you know, I just love this movie because it makes me feel so much yummier. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, I guess that's, that's it. We'll say farewell to the cer- certainly the sexiest Batman film. I think we can all agree. Um, I guess we'll end with our closing segment just because it, it really makes a nice period on the show is, is what did you watch? Uh, who wants to, who's got, who wants to got something they've been watching and they want to go first. I watched the movie Kimmy on HBO. Have you guys heard of it? No. Yeah. Uh, it just came out. It's fairly new. It's with Zoe Kravitz. Oh, it okay, is cool. a tech savvy retelling of rear window. Ooh. And it's about a company very similar to Amazon. And they have a listening device, much like Alexa called Kimmy. And the main character named Angela, um, she's like a tech who's supposed to listen in on these devices for um, nothing like bad. It's she's supposed to listen in to improve user experience. Mm -hmm. And she hears a possible murder. Dun, dun, dun. Was it good? It sounds awesome. Right. They already do that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to go ahead as soon as we're done off this call and throw out the script. I was writing about that same thing. That sucks. Balls. Uh, was the movie but, uh, good? At yeah, least? I, I recommend it. HBO Max. Check it out. It's called Kimmy. K-I-M-I. It was very good. Nice. Uh, Emily, you've been moving. I don't suppose you've had time to watch any TV or anything, but. Uh, um, well, I did watch one. Again, we're continuing with our anthology February. Um, we did watch a movie called Southbound um, that was from 2016 or 2017. I don't know. Um, but it was very different, I guess. The, the stories kind of all meld into each other, but. It was interesting. At least it had some good effects and good stories. Um, I don't know if I'd recommend it, but was it it's horror. Or was it an action? Was it... It's more horror. What's it on? What can I? Where can I stream this? I think it's on Netflix or okay. Hulu. So okay, it's cool. Um, Omi, what you got? What you been watching? You know what? I like to go back to my reruns. So I am in the middle. Oh, no, I'm in the last season of The Good Place again in my life. Great show. I, I was missing it. So uh, well, we I, should do a Good Place podcast. The call, man, call we should, man. Place. Like, you know, Chidi wins me over every time. So I'm all about that She's show right now. a legit snack. Yeah, he's, he is a legit snack. You could bounce a quarter off that ass. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> you know? I, I wrote, I wrote a, uh, a film concept kind of based off uh, – the good place i hope it gets made one day i would i would love to see it i hope uh i hope you get yeah, to direct give it to carmelo <laughs> <laughs> and i work on a lot of movies together um i uh i mostly just been watching tv i haven't seen a lot of movies this week i watched um my wife is catching up on game of thrones she's never seen it i i watched it when it was on so this is my second viewing of it and uh i'm enjoying it so far um, Rick and Morty season five. I was waiting for it to drop on HBO. It's been on HBO. I'm watching that. Uh, and Shit's Creek, uh, is just Eugene Levy is a fucking treasure. He is just, uh, oh my God. I love that show. Um, it's grown on me every week. So yeah, that's it for me, uh, on, on what I've watched. Um, 
And, uh, and I guess that's it for our episode. So thank you all for uh, tuning in. I will, um, uh, we'll be back next week with uh, the next Batman movie. Um, I'm not actually sure which one we're going to do though, because we're going to talk about that after I stop recording. So thank you all for listening and uh, please tune in next week. Make sure to uh, subscribe, rate and review uh, so that we can reach more listeners like you. Can't wait for Batman with nipples. <laughs> Bat nipples are coming. All right, everyone. Have a great night. Thank you. I want you to do me a favor. I want you to tell all your friends about me. What are you? I'm Batman. If you enjoyed today's episode of the Cult Classic Comic Show, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review. That's what helps us reach new listeners and keep the show going. You can follow us on Instagram or Twitter at Chimeras Comics or join our Facebook group at Chimeras Comics Community. Thank you so much for listening. And we'll see you next week.